We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, November the 18th, 2021. Today's show, I break down Saturday's games. The Gamecocks look to once again punch their ticket to bowl eligibilities. The Auburn Tigers come to town, guys. We'll break down the game in its entirety. First things first, we'll talk about Auburn, also top storylines key matchups to watch for, keys to the game, and much, much more from there as well. Also, South Carolina basketball returns to action tonight on the hardwood as the UAB Blazers come to Colonial Life Arena. Guys, we'll break down that game as well, talk UAB top storylines for that one. UAB players to watch for, keys to the game, and I will lock in my official prediction for tonight's game. Also, guys, news and notes to get into your listener questions and a fantastic throwback conversation. Great interview with former Gamecocks wide receiver Corey Bridges, one that I know you are sure to enjoy. Guys, as always, the Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, this holiday season and going into 2022 for all of your moving needs, be sure to contact our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. And of course, their website for more information, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it. Boys and girls, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you all tuning in. We have got a packed show here on a Thursday, folks. As I told you before, content bleeding out of the eyeballs. It is always fun this time of year when football and basketball and multiple sports overlap one another. And that's exactly what we're doing today here on the Airwaves. Again, folks, thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope this show finds you well, no matter where you are, what you're doing, whether you're on the commute or in the office or on the job, you got the day off, maybe you're in class, whatever it is, I hope you are having a fantastic Thursday. And again, I appreciate you taking the time to tune in to me, to tune into us. 
as we get you ready for kickoff and tip-off in the next couple of days. Guys, one quick reminder, we're going to dive right into it. The TSUS tailgate, I want to keep reminding you, if you're looking for somewhere to tailgate, we'll be at the lots around 1230 or 1 o'clock. Look for the TSUS and Big Cock Club flags flying, but we'll be out there at Sewell spots 93 to 96 this Saturday before the game against Auburn. Guys, be sure to check us out. If you have not been to a TSUS tailgate, it is an absolute blast. Ask anyone who swung by. We have a really, really good time. We get a we get a little rowdy, to say the least, but uh, we'd love to have you guys come on out, man. We'll be at Sewell's down the road from Jay's Corner, across the street from the Rocket and the Fairgrounds. Be sure to check us out again. That's the TSUS tailgate at Sewell's. And if you need more information, all the information's on social media, but if you still need more help, need more info, be sure to DM us, contact me. Would love to see you guys there. All right. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Gamecocks taking on the Auburn Tigers in a game that certainly is not short of storyline. Seven o'clock kickoff in the SEC Network at williams Bryce Stadium. The betting line in this one, of course, we talked yesterday. South on a six-and-a-half-point underdog. The over-under set at 44-and-a-half. The overall series history, Auburn leads this one 10 Two and one. And guys, of course, if you recall, last year the two teams played. South kind of beat Auburn for the first time since 1933 when they won that ball game by a score of 30 to 22. Of course, you recall that was the JC Horn game. And, you know, really you felt like with the season a year ago, you felt like that was the game that was going to be the one that sort of, I don't know about turned the program around, but served as a spark for the 2020 season. And we all know, of course, that did not happen. But at the time, was a huge win. You felt like the Stars line, of course, Bo Nix turned into a pumpkin on the road as he normally does. But uh, the Gamecocks were able to get that win 30-22 to and a big victory over Auburn. And of course, Things are different than last year, right? We all know the coaching changes. Coaching changes on both sides. A pair of first-year coaches, of course, Shane Beamer in Columbia. Brian Harson, his first year manning the Auburn program, again, taking over for the departed Gus Malzahn. Auburn sits right now 6-4, and 3-3 three and three in the conference. You can take a look at them. The statistics, at statistics averaging 31 points per game, giving up 22 points per game on this season. And, of course, coming off an abysmal loss to the Mississippi State Bulldogs, a game in which they led 28-3, to which seems to be the most score – or, excuse me, cursed score in all of football, but led that game 28-3. to And for whatever reason, things just fell apart for them in that ballgame. But, again, Brian Harson manning this program, looking to build Auburn back. I mean, they're, they're sort of guys in a similar situation – to what the Gamecocks find themselves in on a year-in, year-out basis, in the sense of, you know, you're in a state where your rival is having unparalleled success, right? I can't imagine the the how tough the job is in Auburn, Alabama, when you've got Alabama just down the road going to national titles, winning national titles, the expectations of the Auburn program. And, of course, I mean, with that rival, we see ourselves in a very similar situation with the success that team in the Upstate's having. And, of course, it's been fantastic this year to watch them struggle. But two programs who I think in many ways are very, very similar. And, of course, it's very interesting. You played this team last year at home. You get them on your home field yet again. Going to be a really, really interesting ballgame. Of course, guys, like I said, this one is not short of storylines. And the one we have to start with, like I said, guys, Two same teams, very, very different coaching staffs. One thing in this game remains constant, though, and that is Mike Bobo being on a sideline or being in the stadium for this ball game. The return of Mike Bobo. Yes, Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator for the Auburn Tigers. He will lead this Auburn offense into williams Bryce Stadium. And I'll start by saying this, guys. 
We have the All My Homies Hate Mike Bobo merch. And I'm certainly not a fan of Mike Bobo. I don't hate Mike Bobo as much as some probably do, though. Um, I think when you take a step back and you understand football is a business and that's all it really is, and these guys don't have allegiances to schools, they're not fans like us, they don't really care, they're loyal to, as Will Muschamp once told me, whoever's signing your check, that's where your loyalty lies. Uh, I see Mike Bobo in a very similar light. But obviously the way things went down with Mike Bobo, you know, you thought he was going to be your OC, then Auburn contacted him, he leaves. And of course we posted the clip yesterday of Shane Beamer, not a huge fan of this guy. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is a bigger storyline for the fans more than anything. I think once toe meets leather, I don't think this is something that really matters in regards to the players and the way they play and how they operate, whatever. But it's certainly something to follow. It's certainly a big storyline. You know, I know many of you out there still hold a personal grudge against Mike Bobo for the Ryan Helinski saga and him not being a part of the University of South Carolina football program anymore. And, of course, Colin Hill and all that sort of got clumped together in the must champ shit storm, if you will, in the 2020 season and just what happened in the ruins those men tried to leave this program in. But uh, Mike Bobo returning to Wiggins Rice Stadium, of course, again, all my homies hate Mike Bobo. I would expect the chance to come out. It's going to be a very emotional night at Wiggins Rice Stadium. And again, I think this is a bigger storyline for the fans, but it's certainly something you have to highlight. And, you know, as much as we dislike the guy and as much as we want to get this victory, I'm sure he feels the exact same way because Gamecock fans have been ruthless on social media calling Mike Bobo a snake since the day that he left. And is he a snake? You know, I I won't say that he's not. I won't say that he's not. But, uh, yeah, it would sure be nice to stick it to Mike Bobo one more time. So, again, he will return as Auburn's OC. And the man who will be taking snaps under center, guys, of course, another huge storyline in this ballgame. I think one of the reasons you saw the line movement from when the line opened on Sunday – to now, because the line opened, of course, at 10. Now the line sitting at six and a half. Bo Nix officially out for the season with a broken ankle. And who should take over as Auburn's starting quarterback? None other than TJ Finley. And if that name sounds familiar to you, you're like, where do I remember that from? You might recall <coughs> TJ Finley was the starting quarterback for the LSU Tigers last year when you went on the road, actually, the week after you beat Auburn. When you went on the road to Baton Rouge and TJ Finley had a career day against you, TJ Finley, we meet again. Now, again, I know fans will look at this and say, oh my God, I wish Bo Nix was playing. Why do we have to face TJ Finley? He shredded us last year. Do I think that game and that performance last year means anything for this ball game? No, I do not. I really, truly don't. Again, it's totally different teams, totally different coaching staffs. He had a totally different supporting cast. I don't think that game means anything at all. But what it did show you, the guy's capable. The guy's obviously got talent, a real big-bodied guy. He can get outside the pocket. He's obviously got a good arm. You know, you like your chances overall. I don't want to say this game, on a side note, feels sort of like the Florida game where you're at home at night. They're playing a backup quarterback, the whole Mike Bobo thing. Like, it feels like sort of this is setting up for a huge victory at home. I don't want to say it feels identical, but it does feel similar. I can't lie to you guys. So, You know, you think to yourself, okay, what Finley did last year against you? However, you got a new defensive coordinator. You've got new players on defense. Again, it's a brand-new system, brand-new scheme for D.J. Finley himself. They're obviously going to want to run the football. But, uh, you know, it it is something very interesting to follow. Again, it's just just wild. You don't see this often. How often does a guy transfer to a different school? And then he faces off against that team 
yet again. So again, TJ Finley, we meet again, guys. And again, I would not put a lot of stock in what he did last year. I think this is a brand new circumstance, a brand new ball game, obviously with brand new teams, but it's going to be really interesting to see how TJ Finley plays, because I think a lot of it's going to get put on him because I think South Carolina, you got to think they're going to sell out to stop the run and make TJ Finley beat them. So it's going to be up to that reworked secondary from this season to play one of the better games, not allow the big play, and maybe force TJ Finley into some mistakes. Another big storyline for me, guys, in this one, I've talked about this all week long, but the overall morale of these teams to me is so intriguing. You know, South Carolina coming off of a really disappointing loss on the road in Columbia, Missouri, against the Missouri Tigers, a team you really felt like you were better than, you should have beat, and you had your opportunity to go ahead and punch your ticket to bowl eligibility, and you weren't able to do it, right? So the Gamecocks sort of licking their wounds this week, trying to bounce back at home. On the flip side, though, you've got an Auburn team that is licking its own wounds and trying to rebound from an abysmal loss at home against Mississippi State, guys, a game in which they led 28-3. to So who needs this game more? Like, who is this game more important for? Of course, Auburn 6-4, and four, they're already bowl eligible. South Ghana sitting at 5-5. Five and five. But who really needs this game more? Because on one hand, yes, the Gamecocks, you love to get that sixth win ahead of next weekend's rivalry matchup against Clemson. On the other hand, though, I mean, you've got an Auburn team and an Auburn program. Hey, they already lost to South Carolina last year. You're coming off a terrible loss at home. You know, Brian Arson's also a first-year head coach. So I think this is a very pivotal, important game for both of these teams, not just in the scope of the 2021 football season, but moving forward. Because we all know what Auburn has to face next weekend in their rivalry matchup. So, you know, they lose this one, most likely going to end the season on a three-game losing streak. I think there's a lot at stake here. And again, I'm just very curious to see, you know, you almost have to say, I I would say it favors the Gamecocks. I I think if there's going to be one team that comes out hanging their heads and not necessarily as fired up as they should be and not playing the way they should, I think it's going to be Auburn because I think there's still a lot left to achieve for South Carolina. I I think getting to six and six, getting to bowl eligibility will be a fantastic first year for Shane Beamer. And to have that opportunity being at home, I think that's something you will see this team fired up, ready to go, really excited to play. I just wonder what the motivation factor is for Auburn coming off of such a terrible loss. Of course, guys, I mentioned earlier another big storyline, the rematch last year's game. So many things are different. Again, how much can you really take away from last year? I thought the Gamecocks did a really good job of containing Tank Bigsby. Of course, it was the J.C. Horn game. And again, I know many people are wishing that Bo Nix was playing in this ballgame because what he did last year, but just an old-fashioned rematch here. And again, there's so many different pieces on both sides, but it's really cool to see these two teams play. And again, how lucky are you that uh, you get them at home yet again? Guys, another big storyline, the battle of the running games in this one. You know, it's really unfortunate, too, though, that this isn't quite the matchup that I was hoping it would be in the preseason in regards to, you know, we really thought it was going to be like a Kevin Harris first tank Bigsby thing. And this is going to show who the best running back in the SEC is. And of course, as we all know, on the Gamecock side, things just have not gone to plan in regards to the running game and what has gone down with the offensive line and all of that jazz. Um, But, you know, to keep things simple, guys, and I don't list this as a key to the game week to week to week because it's just an obvious running the football Stopping the run. That is the most important part of this ballgame. On the South kind of side, you were able to do nothing 
nothing against Mizzou. And it comes down to, you know, we know who you are. You are who you are, and that's totally fine, and I understand that. But can you somehow, some way, rekindle the magic of the Florida game and get closer to what you were in that ball game than what you were in a game against Missouri? Because 1.6 yards per carry and 57 rushing yards, that's not going to get the job done, as we all know. Now, are you going to rush for 284 yards again at all at any point this season? Probably not. But can you get up to 100? Can you get to 150? Can you get to, God forbid, 175 or even 200? Right? Winning at the point of attack. Can you limit Tank Bigsby enough? And can you run the football at all with your guys, Quan White, Kevin Harris, Juju McDowell, Marshawn Lloyd? Can you, can you establish any sort of ground game? Because, again, as obvious as it sounds, in a ball game like this that features so much talent at the running back position, the more physical football team is the one that is going to win this football game. Bottom line, end of story. And, guys, my final storyline in this game, again, I mentioned at the top of the show, but just another shot at bowl eligibility for the South Carolina football team. And, and I'll tell you this. This is on a total side note because I, I, I'm not going to spend the majority of this show or really any of the show talking about this. We, we've discussed this a ton on the Daily Crow and just through different content channels and stuff like that. But – some of the perspective has been lost by Gamecock Nation. So some of the perspective has been lost by, by a few folks. It's not many. It's not the majority. But I'm seeing more of it than I'd prefer. Keep in mind, Gamecock fans, through the ups, through the downs, through the turmoil, through everything that's happened this season, you're entering your last two games at 5-5 five and five and with a chance to make a bowl game. That's a minor miracle in Shane Beamer's first season based off of what he was left with. I just don't think people give enough credit to what he was left with. And the opportunity, the fact that you have the chance on your home field Saturday night to walk in, beat the Auburn Tigers, and make a bowl game is a very, very, very big deal. Folks, get your minds out of this 10-11 win mindset. The Gamecocks are not that team anymore. This is not 2010 to 2013. It's not. Revert your brain back to the early 2000s. That's where we are right now. That's okay. It's year one of Shane Beamer, but that's okay. Making a bowl game is a big deal. And for you slap dicks that don't think it is, shame on you. Shame on you. So, Show up, show out, pack Willie B, be loud. You have the opportunity to get the six wins, which will be a massive, massive success in year one of Shane Beamer. If you get this win and you punch that sixth win, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So there's a lot on the line Saturday night. A lot can be achieved at Williams-Brice Stadium under the lights this weekend. All right, let's move on our key matchups to watch for guys, and there's some great individual matchups in this one. I want to start, of course, on the line of scrimmage. I talked about guys running the football, stopping the run. You've got to limit Tank Bigsby. It's going to take a guy out front like defensive lineman Zach Pickens going up against Tank Bigsby, the fantastic running back. We all know his history, guys, and he was committed to South Carolina or was considering South Carolina and then went to Auburn, whatever. But Bigsby on this season, 776 yards, five yards per carry, and has nine touchdowns total again, guys. This is a Mike Bobo offense. They are going to run the football. You know Mike Bobo is going to scheme up the run game. He knows South Carolina's personnel. He knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses, and he's going to attack that as best he can again. It's going to take a guy 
like a Zach Pickens, like a Jabari Ellis, like a Jordan Birch. Guys, it's going to take somebody in the middle of that defense to stop this run. You cannot let Tank Bigsby run wild and again. He's going to get his. He's a good player. He's going to get his, but you've got to contain him. You can't have a performance like last week where Tyler Beatty goes for 200. It can't happen. So, again, Zach Pickens in the middle. Can he clog up that run game? Can he slow down Tank Bigsby? It's going to be a huge matchup in this ballgame. Let's move to the other side of the ball, guys. And, again, physicality up front. I hate to sound like a broken record. That's what it's going to come down to, though, guys. Again, if you can't block anybody, it all starts with the offensive line. We could talk quarterback, receivers, tight ends, whoever. If you can't block, none of it matters. A guy on the edge, offensive lineman, Tyshawn Wanamaker. We, we have just seen too often this season guys just running around off the edge untouched. And I'll tell you this, guys, Auburn has got some really, really, really good pass rushers. I mean, they've got guys with sack totals two, four, five, three, five, two. They got dudes who can get after the quarterback, and one of them specifically, the edge player, Derek Hall. Hall on this season, seven and a half tackles for loss. Five sacks thus far. And they got a couple of guys with these type of numbers. Um, Tyshawn Wanamaker, though, he and Jason Turnentheim both, again, I, I chose Wanamaker for this one. He's been getting beat like a drum. So has uh, Turnentheim on the other side. But you need your tackles to play good football because Auburn's got guys who are going to come after Jason Brown. So, again, Tyshawn Wanamaker, really that entire offensive line has to step up, but he's a big one on that outside on that edge that needs to help out Jason Brown, give him time to throw the football, open up some running lanes, you'll have success. And my final key matchup, and I think this one really intriguing, I, I could not leave it off the list, but we all know the storyline with Mike Bobo and his return and the way he can scheme up run game, and we all sort of know what he wants to do. Defensive coordinator Clayton White against offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, because what killed you last year when T.J. Finley was the starting quarterback at LSU? I won't even say it was talent. Your scheme was trash. Your scheme was dog. We talked all week of that game, if you remember. Hey, blitz the quarterback. Get after the quarterback. Make T.J. Finley uncomfortable. And that never happened. And talking to a player that is on this current roster, guys, that was on the roster last year, he said, hey, that was the game plan, and we just didn't do it. So Clayton White, how he schemes this thing up, how he decides to attack a Mike Bobo offense. I'll be really excited for that chess match. Going to go a long way in determining the victor of this game. All right, guys, finally, let's get into our keys to the game. Keys to the game. And I just talked about TJ Finley, guys. You heard the comments from JJ Nibari and other defensive players a couple of days ago. But keeping TJ Finley in the pocket, contain Finley. Do not let him get outside of the pocket. He killed you there last year when he was picking you apart. It really felt like a seven-on-seven seven watching that. Guys like J.J. Inigbari on the edge, Brad Johnson, Aaron Sterling, they need to step up. They need to get after him, but also keep him in the pocket at the same time. Contain T.J. Finley. Get him in some obvious passing situations. Make I know it's going to sound crazy because of what happened last year, but make him beat you with his arm. Again, you're not going to win this ball game if they're just running wild with Tank Bigsby. you got to get into situations where TJ Finley is having to win the game on his right shoulder. Guys, second key to the game, very simply put, win the ground game. Win the ground game. If you win the ground game, I'm telling you right now, if you outrush Auburn, if you outrush Auburn, you'll win. You'll win. Bottom line. Bottom line. I I'll go on record right now. If South Carolina rushes for more yards than Auburn, they win. That may sound very obvious, but it's a true statement. They will win. Win the ground game, you win the ball game. And my final key to the game. Again, guys, I am more giddy and optimistic 
coming off a bad Missouri loss than I expected to be. And I think one of the reasons is this. And I don't know if it's that I feel like you have a fantastic shot to beat Auburn. You guys will find out tomorrow when I drop my prediction. Or if I feel like you got a fantastic shot to beat Clemson or whatever it might be. But I think also just the fact that you're returning home at night under the lights. And guys, my final key is this. For those who were in the stadium, even those that watched, but definitely those that were in the stadium at Williams-Price, did that game not have sort of like a magical feeling to it, right? It really did. It felt like one of those magical nights at Willie B. Like you couldn't have drawn it up any better, right? And I understand you can't bank on that week in, week out, every single game. But my final key to the game, guys, is this. Rekindle the magic. Like, like find a way, start fast, get the crowd involved. You get the momentum going. You know, Auburn, are they a frail, fragile team? What is the mental makeup of those guys right, right now? Like I said, coming off of that terrible loss to Mississippi State. Can you find that magic again? Can you rekindle the magic? Can you break your opponent's will? Can you get the crowd into it? Can you start fast, start early, put your foot on their throat, and never let off? So, again, my three keys to the game, contain T.J. Finley, win the ground game, and rekindle the magic. You do those three things, I think you have a great shot to win this ballgame. Guys, that's going to do it for my Auburn preview, my Auburn breakdown. Again, I will give my full prediction on tomorrow's show. Going to be a lot of fun. Who's it going to be? Will South going to find a way to get their sixth win? Or will Auburn get their revenge after last year's 30-22 to 22 loss at Williams Price? Guys, all right, let's move into some basketball because it is actually game day for Frank Martin's squad as the UAB Blazers visit Colonial Life Arena. 7 o'clock tip tonight on the SEC Network. Plus, yours truly will be in attendance at CLA, UAB, a 3-0 ball club right now. Their head coach is Andy Kennedy, which if that name sounds familiar, Andy Kennedy served as the head coach at Ole Miss for over 10 years, went into broadcasting for SEC Network. Now he's back at his alma mater coaching at UAB. So, again, doing a fantastic job there, again, guiding them thus far to a 3-0 record. Guys, moving into the top storylines for this one. I think this is a huge early swing game for South Carolina basketball. Call it for what it is. You want to sugarcoat it, whatever. The loss to Princeton was bad, right? And in the Frank Martin regime, the Frank Martin era, we have become far too accustomed to bad early season non-conference losses. And don't get it twisted. This would not be a bad loss. UAB is a good basketball team. I saw another Gamecocks page saying, yeah, I expect Carolina to win by 10-plus. I don't think they know who UAB is. This, this is a tournament-caliber team. Andy Kennedy, one of the better basketball coaches in all of college basketball. This is a good ball club. And, and I look at this game, at least for me, guys, from the fan standpoint. You know, I, I think Gamecock Nation right now is just dying for a reason to actually be interested and excited about Gamecocks basketball. They don't have that right now, right? We don't have that necessarily. Winning a game like this, in my opinion, could swing the season to, you know, if you lose, it's like, oh, well, here we go again. Frank Martin coaching for his job. To if you win it, if you can find a way at home to show life and win this ball game, all of a sudden my mindset goes to, oh, wow, maybe we're a little bit ahead of schedule. You know, you've got some winnable games after this one. Hey, maybe we can build some momentum, God forbid. So, again, the swing game potential of this non-conference matchup against UAB. Again, UAB, a very quality team. If you can get the W, I think go a long way in your non-conference and then just going throughout the season and just building some early momentum for a team and a program and a fan base 
that needs something to feel good about. Another big storyline, guys, is simply put, do the shots finally start to fall? I mean, it, it, you know, I, I on one hand, I love this aggressive nature of this team that they are just willing to throw up shots and, you know, play with confidence and no matter how many they miss. But shoot or shoot, sure, but if you can't make it, you're not achieving a whole lot. You got to make shots to win. I mean, it's crazy. It sounds so simple, but you got to make shots to win. Do the shots finally fall? You saw there were much better shooting in that Sunday game against Western Kentucky. I think they shot 42% or so after shooting like 31% against uh, against Princeton. So again, you got to shoot well to win. I mean, that sounds so obvious. You got to shoot well to win, especially from the outside, beyond the arc, the three-point ball. It's got to be there for South Carolina. Will the shots fall in the game tonight? Only time will tell. Another big storyline. Speaking of players, uh, Devin Carter, you know, there's some young players on this basketball team that are starting to step up and emerge. Devin Carter is certainly one of them. Devin highlight real Carter, I should say. Can he begin to really establish himself as a playmaker and earn more minutes from Frank Martin? Really excited to watch his game develop again. I think Devin Carter is going to be a guy who is going to make an impact for South Carolina for the years to come. But again, overall in this game, what can he do for you? And again, this early part of the season in the non-conference, this is when you're using this time again, like I told you guys, to find your best five. Devin Carter, if he can have a good one tonight, I think he can start of sort sort of start to establish himself as one of your go-to guys on this roster. And finally, guys, my final storyline is this because we've talked a lot about the new guys and the transfers. What about the returners? What a guy, what about a guy like Jermaine Kuznard? I, I think Kuz is a guy that, you know, he he's played good basketball. I think he's averaging around 15 points per game. This team goes as Jermaine Kuznar goes. If he plays well, South Carolina has a very, very, very good chance to win. When he's got an off night, it's normally very tough. So the team goes as Coos goes. Can he step up in this one, be that veteran leader for you? Can a guy who's been on this basketball team and been around this program as long as any on the roster need him to play his best basketball tonight in a pivotal non-conference matchup on your home floor? All right, let's move into Blazers players to watch for UAB featuring some really Talented ball players. We're going to start with guard Jordan Walker, leading scorer for the Blazers, 21 points per game. Going to be a great matchup, by the way, for the aforementioned Jermaine Kuznard. Also guard Quan Jackson, averaging 16 points per game and leads their team with 11 steals. Guys, here's a little side note for you. UAB, defensively, they have forced opponents into turnovers on an impressive 30.7% of all their possessions. That ranks ninth among Division one teams, okay? South Carolina, on the other hand, has turned the ball over on 21.7% of his possessions. The Gamecocks are 278th nationally. Again, a guy like Quan Jackson leading the way with that 11 steals this season. And the center down low, they've got size. Trey Jemison, 7.3 points per game, seven rebounds per game, a big physical force down low. Gamecocks going to have to counter that, be able to win on the glass. Guys, let's move to our keys to the game. And I just mentioned it. You just heard the statistics. Protect the basketball. It was very ugly against Princeton with the turnovers. Even against Western Kentucky, you turn the basketball over. You got to protect the basketball, guys. Again, it's just like any other sport, right? If you turn the ball over, it's going to be a long night for you. It's going to be a long game. Protect the basketball. Be smart with the basketball. I know you've got young, inexperienced guys, but protecting the basketball has got to be a priority for this ball club. My second key to the game, again, very simple. Hit open looks. The Gamecocks are getting open shots. But, guys, you cannot miss wide-open threes. You cannot miss wide-open looks. You're not always going to get an open look. When you get an open look, you got to hit it. you got to hit it, bottom line. And then, again, guys, my final key to the game. It's not a guarantee that when he plays well, Sal kind of will win, but it's damn near a guarantee when he doesn't play well, 
your chances of winning are basically zero. So my final key to the game, get Kusnard going. This team goes as Kus goes. If you can get him hot, I think your chances are really, really good. You're going to need your veteran guy at the guard position to set the tone for you. So again, my three keys to the game, protect the basketball, hit open looks, and get Kusnard going, which moves us into my prediction for tonight's game. Again, the Gamecocks take on the UAB Blazers on their home floor. Guys, again, you sit two and one. This is a pivotal early season non-conference matchup. But again, yours truly will be in the building at CLA. I want to believe South kind of coming off of that tournament, found some things, coming home, will play its best basketball and be able to steal a really, really big win. However, I don't think people are giving UAB enough credit to how good they actually are. I think UAB, when the, when the line opens, I think you'll be surprised to find that UAB will most likely be a favorite in this ballgame. And for that reason, I look at this. Is South Carolina consistent enough right now shooting the basketball to beat a UAB team that can score and can score often? I don't think so right now, guys. Again, I've got the Blazers winning this ballgame. Give me UAB 82, South Carolina 74. Again, I just think right now there's still too many moving pieces, still too many things that South Carolina's got to figure out. And for that reason, I still think early in this season, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle early on. So again, give me UAB, but a great opportunity for South Carolina to get a big upset, to get a big home win, and again, build some early momentum in this basketball season. So again, guys, that's going to do it for my UAB breakdown. Uh, really excited to get out to CLA tonight. And again, if you can get out there, Let's rock CLA, man. Let's make an intimidating home atmosphere if you can get out there and support the boys. All right, really quickly, guys, just one note. Um, of course, I'm recording this before the women's game tonight against Clemson. I apologize. My Wednesdays are absolutely insane, but I just simply did not want to wait till 9.30 or 10 o'clock to record the show with as crazy as Wednesdays are with the Daily Crow and the, and the Tin Roof Show and all that good stuff. So, again, we'll talk about and highlight that game on Friday's show. But, again, to hell with Clemson. We already know Dawn Staley's squad is going to absolutely crush the Tigers tonight. Um, all right, guys, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into your listener questions. Going to go ahead and get these pulled up right quick. Again, as the Gamecocks, we're talking ahead of Saturday's game as South going to takes on the Auburn Tigers, if I can find. Here we go. All right, your listener questions. Here we go. Uh, ben Smitty, 2017, has a couple questions. How do you see quarterback situation playing out in the offseason? Do we bring in a big transfer? I'd be shocked if Shane Beamer does not hit the transfer portal for a quarterback. Uh, he also says, in your opinion, should Kevin Harris go pro after this season? I don't think so. I mean, do you think he put up numbers to really warrant going pro? Do you really think he's going to get drafted? I, I don't think so. I think it'd be a foolish decision for him to go, to be honest with you. Uh, Josh B. Moore with a more than a couple – he's got more than a couple of questions. No play on words. Why do you think the NCAA hasn't punished Clemson despite the fact the FBA caught their – the FBI caught their assistant basketball coach explaining in detail how F football pays players and recruits uh, as basketball was trying to use the same undetectable method to pay Zion Williams. Josh, be more, the answer is simple because it's the NCAA. When does the NCAA ever get anything right? Uh, final question, Chef K76 says, it's a must win for any bowl chance. Well, Chef K76, you're saying that almost insinuating that, that's, that the Gamecocks have no chance to beat Clemson, which I would say is very inaccurate. We'll talk about that game next week. But, uh, no, it's a big game. It's a huge game, and it's another huge opportunity. But no matter the result this weekend, getting to a bowl game is still possible. You got two, you got to win one. That's the reality. Um, all right, guys, again, appreciate the listener questions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't go anywhere, though, yet, though. The fun is not over yet. we got a great conversation, great throwback interview with former Gamecocks wide receiver, 
Corey Bridges, this one from August of 2019, really fun stuff. Corey playing in the early 90s, some fantastic stories and conversation for him. So again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Would love to hear from you, your thoughts, your keys, your overall feelings heading into both the football and basketball games. But until then, guys, again, thank you all so much for your continued love and support. Appreciate you all rocking with us. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks wide receiver, Corey Bridges. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 1993 to 1996. Over his career, he amassed 67 receptions, 886 yards, and eight touchdowns for the Gamecocks. He also played in the NFL for the Bears, Vikings, and Browns. He was also a track star at USC, picking up all SEC, all SEC honors and was the SEC 60-meter sprint champion. He's also the founder of C4 Performance, personal and professional sports performance specialist. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome to the show former Gamecocks wide receiver Corey Bridges. Corey, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. For sure. So, Corey, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning for you. Obviously, I'm just curious, kind of your recruitment. Obviously, you were a guy, um, a speedster, a track guy, no doubt. You were recruited by head coach Sparky Woods and his staff. But talk about your recruitment to South Carolina. What led you to eventually be a Gamecock? I mean, they just stuck with me throughout the whole process. Um, You know, as a – we call ourselves as a young buck, you know, in high school, you know, you was all – I was always the superstar. And presentation. But, you know – uh, clearing house and everybody from uh, from you know at the university they was you know kind of telling me steps and stages of what I need to do throughout the process and uh, and they just you know start feeding me information what I needed to do and I did everything they told me to do and they said well we want to have you come to school here too so um, but you know that that was it um, you know I was just want to look little enough ahead thinking I was the man. And not didn't really realize that grades was my grades was that important until uh, you know I got woken up my senior year in high school. <laughs> so I mean a lot of the colleges. I mean I was you know recruited by just about everybody, but you know everybody was pretty kind of you know skeptical of my grades. And that's one thing I teach or you know preach to my athletes. You know I mean you can train with me all you want, but you know this ain't this is, this is not gonna help you if you're not you know really getting your your work you know, your, your schoolwork. So, uh, that's, that's one of the things that, you know, I'm glad I went through it so I can teach it and preach it to, you know, the guys and girls that I train now. For sure. So I, I talked about Sparky Woods when you got to Carolina, uh, Corey, he was coming in his fifth season as head coach. Just talk about your first interactions with him and relationship with Sparky and his staff. Oh man, Sparky was cool. Um, you know, it was, I remember coming here on a visit and we sat and talked and, you know, Sparky was just like, Hey, you know, um, I, I, I just, I haven't passed the SAT quite yet. And, um, um, Sparky and the staff was, they was just like, Hey, listen, you know, um, get your tutoring, you know, do what you need to do. And we still want to sign you or we'll place you in junior college. So, you know, I, I kind of put my foot down and, you know, 
did what I needed to do to get the grades. But Sparky was really cool. Um, I know Coach Hartness, um, he was my receiver coach, and uh, he was he was really cool too. So, uh, I mean, they they stuck by me. You know, they came to my house, and, you know, it was you – know, a lot of coaches came to the house, but they came, and they kind of, you know, kind of took care of me and told me that they had a place for me. So, I was – I decided to come there. So I want to switch gears a little bit, Corey, before we get into uh, your actual playing career at South Carolina, because one of my favorite athletes, not to switch gears too much, one of my favorite athletes in professional baseball is Marcus Stroman, who is a five foot six or seven pitcher. And he has kind of a slogan, height doesn't measure heart. I want to ask you about that because you're obviously a guy, I think you're a five, seven, depending on the stat sheet, I'm sure you're looking at it, depending on who you're asking, but uh, known for your speed, but a guy, let me ask you this. Were you ever questioned about your height, and did you use that as motivation and fuel to kind of prove the doubters wrong and show you could play at the highest level? You know, <clears throat> I mean, every you know, everywhere I went, you know, everybody always questioned my height. Um, you know, it was, you know, from day one, you know, just starting sports, you know, like who's a little short guy, you know. Uh, but to me, I swear, I, I don't know, I guess. I just felt like if you if if I can see myself, if I can visualize myself being on a field, I'm literally six five, and I can do anything that a six five player can do. Um, but that's just how I felt inside. If that's what you want to call heart, then you know that it is what it is. But I just didn't feel like I was I was the small person out there. And I knew everybody else was bigger, but it's just deep. I I didn't my vision of seeing somebody, you know, you you're just a man, you know what I mean? So, um, and I am too. So you know, God gave me. Did you? <laughs> so, but yeah, I just I, I never I never saw myself being small, but I guess that's what it you know. Well, now I look back on it, I am pretty small, but. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt yeah. so no so I want to dive into your Gamecock career Corey because you got off to one hell of a start um your first season your freshman year 1993 the Gamecocks first game of the season um you guys go to Georgia uh, which South Carolina Georgia is always a big game no matter it's still a big game to this day obviously the border war if you will you guys go into Athens um get the win 23 to 21 bend it over the top everyone remembers the play uh, led by Steve Tannehill, obviously. But you also, your fr your first game uh, as a freshman, you have a 41-yard touchdown reception. Talk to me about that play, because I can just imagine, um, as a true freshman, you're going on the road to such an intimidating environment, but you ball out, get a 41-yard touchdown, and just the, the emotions of the way that game went. I mean, could you have pictured a better or more exciting first college game to start your career off with? You know, um, you know that, that conversation, you know that, that go-to story you have when you're out like at a bar or you're out with some friends or whatever, or you just meet a, a person, you know, that, that go-to conversation, especially if I meet a Georgia fan, because I live in Georgia. Uh, that's my, that's my go-to story to tell everybody. Uh, is that, it's, it's like, you know, like, hey, we're going to give you a deep ball. Um, during the game. Um, so, you know, because I've been practicing that week and they realized that I could run really fast. And, and um, Georgia defensive backs wasn't, you know, they didn't have, they, they wasn't fast or they um, when 
I, they knew I can get behind them. So, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, I just, all I did was dreamt that night about it and just like, Hey, they call my number and I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely ready. So, so in my shoes, you put you in my shoes, you know, the play get called. All right. So I think the play right before that, um, you know, it was the snap count was on two. And I ended up jumping offside because I was just so nervous. <laughs> so so we come back and do the play again. And um, uh, it was I, it was past 46, and I had to run a post. And, and uh, I just I saw the ball. I was like, hey, listen, you know, you're going to have to bring that one down, buddy, because, you know, you got 92,000 people in the state that you're from, but you're not playing with them because, you know, that was another – um, uh, university thought that was a little undersized. Decided they didn't want to uh, bring me aboard. Which you know, I was I was a Georgia boy. I was born in Georgia, but uh, just the feeling to you know just to just to see the ball come to me as a freshman. Just went to prom like you know three months prior to that and uh, pulled the ball in. It was it was it was it was a pretty pretty nice feeling. No doubt. I'm sure you give all the Georgia people in the uh, state of Georgia a lot of shit for that one still. So I can Absolutely. only, Absolutely. I can only imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no, like you said, that's a good go-to story to have. But to, that, that freshman year for you, Corey, seven catches, 180 yards. You had the two touchdowns, 25.7 yard average, I might add. So you were an explosive threat, no doubt. But what would you say as a freshman receiver coming in, speed threat, what did you, would you say you learned the most as a freshman trans, transferring from the high school to the college level? Um, you know, just the, just the speed in itself. Um, just, you know, just the speed, obviously the atmosphere as far as, you know, you're going from, you know, we, we kind of packed the house in high school, four or 5,000, you know, fans a night, but you go from four or 5,000, 6,000 fans to, you know, 80,000 to 90,000, then, you know, you got speed, um, I mean, just, just, you know, football is football, you know, if, you know, if you played football before and if you continue to go through the next level, uh, you know, from high school to college to the pro it's football, still football. Although you just have to learn how to play that speed. And um, if you can't, you know, that's what happened with, with a lot of guys that's, you know, that, do not make it to the next level is just like, you know, sometimes you just, you don't understand that speed and, um, and, um, you know, understand like how fast it is. Um, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of different things, you know, cause it is kind of hard to explain for me. It's personally kind of hard to explain. I just knew this is what I knew that I was fast and everybody told me that I was fast and I didn't really think I was that fast until I actually got to college and ran against college athletes that, you know, went there for college and I, and, you know, start beating. I was like, I guess I am kind of fast. So, you know, and just keep, you know, just got to keep working. And the speed of the game is, is the biggest thing because you got, you know, defensive end that can run just as fast as receivers and linebackers is as fast as receivers. So 
you got to understand me and I was 156 pounds soaking wet. All right. I just cannot get killed. So that's why I felt like I was kind of fast. <laughs> no doubt. So I, I want you to talk about one of your former teammates, Corey, a guy you're obviously, I'm sure very close with and that's Steve Tannehill, your quarterback. Uh, it's interesting <laughs> watching all the, watching all the highlights from when you guys play. I, I love watching it because you know, Steve was obviously crazy in the way he celebrated. I feel like the whole team took on that mentality because when you guys scored, you let everybody know you scored. I th- and I think that's one of the fun things about, you know, college football or football in general back when, you know, when you play that I wish they'd bring back is the ability to celebrate and have a good yeah. time with it. But uh, just talk about your relationship with Steve. And, I mean, did you guys sort of take on that mentality he had about really, you know, having as much fun as possible when you play and kind of letting the other team know that, you know, we just got in your end zone? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, we was boys. I mean, I mean, me and Steve had a great relationship. It was more like, you know, we're boys and boys like to have fun regardless. It's, it's not necessarily that we're showboating. We've been doing it all our life and now we just got a lot of people looking at us. We've been doing it in our backyard from, you know, three or four years old with, you know, with the dads, you know, showboating and having fun and just living life. And um, and it was that's that's I think that's the way you know Steve looked at it, Matt, and that's what that's how the that's how the team you know became. It was just like you know we're here, we're eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. We're here. We got eighty five, eighty thousand people looking at us, and we just scored. You know, let's be that same little boy when we was like nine or ten years old. So let's you know let's have fun. What what was your – is there one celebration or just moment that sticks out where you guys kind of went a little more crazy than normal? Because I, I feel like they're – again, they're all fun to watch, but is there one that sticks out in your mind that you can think of? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can tell you this. I, the, the, the touchdown I caught against Georgia, they just implemented the celebration rule that year. All right? So, obviously, you know, I catch a touchdown on my first play. Um, you know, it was my first play ever in college football. So, I catch a touchdown, and it's like everybody else know that was my first play in college football, you know, and my teammates. Um, I think a lot of them respected me because I was so small but still doing the same thing they're doing. But um, – and I got a, I got a pen. I'm sorry, I got a penalty on that play for celebrating. So, you know, Sparky came over to me, yelled, "What the hell are you doing? Why are you getting? You don't need to, yeah." And then he walked off. So about three seconds later, he walked right back over and said, "Hey, man, that was a hell of a catch." <laughs> That's so awesome. So. Let's uh, so I think what's interesting, let's move into the '94 season, uh, Corey, because for you guys, you guys go from Sparky Woods to Brad Scott, actually. Um, Brad Scott yeah. hired as head coach. Talk about that transition. I mean, was it tough for you guys? Obviously, what followed the you know, what came the following season was positive, but in the time it happened, I mean, what was the uh, what was the transition like for you guys, and was that a tough transition to go through? Um, I'll say, yeah, it was it was it was a it was rough. Um, you know, it was rough on some guys uh, just having a whole new coaching staff come in and implementing a different system. Um, you know, it was 
you know, you got to think if we didn't, once Sparky was fired, we had no coach for like three to four, three, like two to three months. And so it was, you know, it was about, then you got an 18, 19 year old kid that doesn't have a head coach, you know, who's going to discipline him. So, you know, um, so we had about two months in this kind of little bit, we got our new head coach. And then once we got our new head coach, we started match drills. And just getting introduced to mat drills was, uh, that was, that was, that was pretty rough. You know, because, you know, wake up at, yeah, we woke up at five o'clock in the morning last, you know, the year before. But we woke up five o'clock in the morning, and if we walked to the door at um, four fifty-nine, then we were late, and then the whole team get punished. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was that was that was pretty rough. Just, but you know, and, and just like every coaching staff, they want you to buy into the system. Um, I think we got a chance to buy into it a little bit and win and won our Corquist Bowl that year. And uh, we, we, we had a really good team. I mean, obviously, you're playing in SEC, but um, but we had a – yeah, we had a really good team that year. For sure. So, I want to ask you, Corey, on a personal note, because you take a look at your statistics, and every year you balled out. The sophomore year, though, stands out. Just five catches, 30 yards. You played in eight games. Just talk about uh, – what happened that year? Was it injuries, or what was the uh, what was the story of your sophomore season? Well, my um, actually, I played through eight games my freshman year with a torn rotator cuff. Mm. So I asked, and then um, and I ended up having surgery right after my freshman year, but my shoulder just wasn't it just it just didn't feel well. And I just I wasn't confident in reaching up and catching the ball, so that my productivity went down. Um, also, I ended up injuring the opposite shoulder the, the week before the first game, and I was out. I think I was out two two to three games. And but the shoulder, you know, I just had surgery on the shoulder the year before. Then the opposite shoulder was pretty. Um, it was I, I tore some ligaments, but you know I was able to rehab and. Um, rehab those to come back and play but I was just I couldn't my my I couldn't reach up and catch the ball like I wanted to didn't have confidence in my uh, my hands my sophomore year but um that my sophomore year was pretty rough um you know obviously I wanted to have a bigger sophomore year but hey injured it it is what it is no doubt. And you obviously bounced back your junior and senior, but I want to stick with that sophomore year because you talked about, Corey, uh, you were on the team, the Gamecocks, that won the first ever bowl game in school history against West Virginia, the CarQuest Bowl, 24-21 uh, to 21 over West Virginia. Just, just talk about, again, the, the sophomore season didn't necessarily go how you wanted, to, wanted it to go, but just talk about what it means to you, I guess, now looking back to know that you were on the team that won the first ever bowl game in South Carolina school history. Hey, listen. Anytime you can go down in the history books, you know, you, you, I'm I'm definitely honored. Um, we we you know all the guys we still listen. You know, it's it's awesome because majority of the guys that were on that team 
uh, we still communicate because we know we, you know, we went down in history. Um, I mean, you know, first time ever going to a bowl and winning it for the, for the school. I mean, that's, that's, that's not bad to put on the, uh, uh, you know, put on the resume. For sure. So I, I want to jump into that junior season for you, Corey, because like I said, you, you bounced back in a big way. Um, 27 catches, 277 yards. You had three touchdowns. But the game uh, or the rivalry I want to focus on specifically is the Carolina-Clemson rivalry. Obviously, you being a guy from Georgia, coming from out of state, just talk about that Carolina-Clemson rivalry a little bit and when did it click for you just how big of a game that was, how important that game was to people? Day one, so was camping. <laughs> I mean, it was just pure like, hey, one thing you don't do. Um, and then you know obviously until you you're you're there on the field and playing in it you won't you know you can't you don't really understand you know how fresh um my first one that I went to my freshman year I was like wow and now you just see how, you know, they didn't have social media back then. <laughs> it, it's amazing how big that rivalry is. No doubt. Right. So, no, go ahead. So, yeah, that junior, that junior and senior season for you, Corey, just talk about what, uh, what clicked for you. Because, obviously, you grew a ton as a wide receiver and were really a threat for the Gamecocks. Um, where would you say your game improved most in your last two years at South Carolina? So, obviously, considering the, the – you know, we had the change in the coaching staff and the new offense, just being more comfortable with the offense um, – you know, just we, you know, hell had Deuce Daly and Darren Hambrick. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you had those guys just running back. Um, you know, just again, just understanding the game a bit more, you know, making it. A player, again, you want to make it where the game come to you. You start feeling how the game played out. Um, and understanding us too. So, and obviously, junior and senior year, you want to make sure that, you know, you have, you, you, you know, you want to be a good leader for the team and the underclassmen. So, um, um, and that, I think that was, that was, you know, just the growth of understanding the game even more and understanding the offense of Brad Scott offense that he had when he uh, brought in. Now, you're someone, Corey, that you played for two different quarterbacks. Uh, 95 with Steve Tannehill's last year. You guys transitioned to uh, to Anthony Wright, uh, who's yep. very well-known amongst Gamecock fans, a guy that not only did well at South Carolina, but had a really solid NFL career as well, long NFL career. Um, yep. Talk about what it was like kind of going from Steve Tannehill to Anthony Wright, some of the pros, cons maybe, and uh, the relationship you had with Anthony as well. Oh, A1, that's my boy. Um, um, 
wish him a speedy recovery. I'm pretty sure he's 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 up running around doing everything now. But um, I'll say the transition, um, obviously, you know, with Anthony Mobilities, um, you know, Steve with Steve offense, we were more timing and and you know, you know, reading zones and you know, understanding the offense a little bit more, getting to a space. Um, and if the ball's not there, it's either, you know, either check down or whatever. With, but with Anthony, all right, well, we can get to a space, but um, Anthony's going to move in the pocket, and he's going to run, and he can scramble. Um, and so we have to keep moving. We have to keep, yeah, so we have to keep moving when Anthony's in, um, when we was playing with Anthony because his arm was, he had a cannon. He did have a cannon. Um and um, you know he he threw the ball a little bit harder than Steve did. Uh, Steve threw the ball. He threw the a ball that just it just was so it was just catchable. It just so it was so soft. And Anthony had like you know a bullet. So you had to adjust from the speed of the ball. And um, you know that that was the difference between the two because it, the ball come a little bit tighter, tighter uh, with a one. Whereas Steve Ball just kind of just, you know, it'll just get to you. No doubt. So your last game at South Carolina, Corey, at Clemson, you guys go out 34 to 31 winners. Um, talk about just kind of what that meant to you. Because, again, you talked about how important the Clemson game was. But for that to be your last college game, um, beating Clemson in Death Valley, I mean, how, try to summarize the emotions from that one. Man, it's always good to go out on top when you're when you're when you're not you're not actually gonna be doing it anymore. Um I mean I mean that night was just it was magical. <laughs> um I mean, obviously we didn't didn't supposed to win the game, like always. Um but you know, it was just so electric with the Reggie with the uh, he had the the kick return. We had a little trick play and Toby, uh, not Toby, no, no. I'm sorry, only two years before that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, you know, same thing. It was just, it was just, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to explain, man. It was just fun. It was just, a, I was just a kid on the big stage. We just had fun, and we went down and and whooped them tigers. That's what we did. <laughs> So I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Corey, but you you played in the NFL for a while for the uh, the Bears, Vikings, and the Browns. Just just kind of summarize your uh, your NFL experience. And I guess we talked about the transition from <clears throat> from high school to college, but what was that transition like from college to NFL? And which one would you say was tougher for you? Um, I'll say I'll say I'll say probably. I'll say high school to college, it was the biggest transition because number one, you're not, you don't, you're not going home to mommy and daddy anymore. You, you know, you're, you're a big boy now and you got to learn how to basically, you know, survive. Uh, and that's what you know, going to college. It's kind of prepped you for being, um, you know, on your own and, and, and doing for yourself. You know, then by the time you're, 
you know, 21, 22 years old and you're ready to graduate, and you're pretty much a man now. So it's like, okay, well, I'm a man. I need to step out in this world and, um, you know, be, you know, who I am. And But, again, I still – I was still a kid doing the thing that I love doing. You know, I got an education from one of the best universities, and I was able to go to, you know, to the NFL because that's what I – knew what I wanted to do as a kid, which nobody but probably myself didn't know, didn't know I was going to do that. Um, you know, the transition from college to the, um, to the NFL, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you, you have so, you, you have so much, you have so much help. Uh, a lot of teams, you know, you need anything, you know, living arrangement, a car you know, you're going to get fed. So it's almost like you're just going back to college again, but um, you don't have to have classes. It's just like, all right, well, I don't have to do classes anymore. I just go to meetings and go do what I do. Um, it's not a, but, you know, you start getting a little bit extra money in your pocket. So now you got to realize, all right, well, you know, I need to not be out partying and doing all this type of stuff because I'm, I need another check next week. <laughs> so uh and, and you know you live you learn um you know you, you have so many resources once you get that so it's, it's kind of hard to to fail so you know the guys that get in trouble and do stuff like that i mean you know hey that's who they are and go ahead no go ahead you're on. and um i mean it's, it's the, I'll say probably the hardest is basically from high school to college. And being in the NFL is, I mean, you always want to be the best. If you have that aspiration to be there, you know, you want to, you know, you want to be the best. You're going to train with the best. Um, so that's what I always thought. I always thought I was better than the person in front of me athletically i didn't think anybody can beat me running um i didn't think anybody can you know you know um nobody could jam me i mean i guess that's what you know will allow other you know nfl to kind of look at me because it was like okay this guy still is he's five six and a half i know you gave me five seven man but they (laughs) nfl they measure me at five six and a half but he can catch. He can run really fast. We're going to give him a shot. He's, you know, he has a body type that can take hits. Let's give him a shot. So um, my unfortunate um, situation was my rookie year with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, fortunate, but unfortunate. So real quick story. <clears throat> I go, I work out for pro days. Viking fly, you know, fly me up and I work out. And I ran 140 and they threw me one ball and then they signed me. And it was like, well, we knew he can run. All right, he can catch. We're signing. So I go up to the stairs and sit down with Dennis Green. Dennis Green said, hey, listen, man, we're going to bring in about three to three to four free agents. And then we'll probably keep one, maybe two of you guys. We're not going to draft a receiver. I'm like, cool. Well, you know, I'm going to have to ballot out with these three to four guys. 
And um, so come the NFL draft day, the, with the 21st pick, the Minnesota Vikings selects Randy Moss. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to keep one receiver. I, I'm like, I'm already cut. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I got into camp with them and, you know, Randy and I, you know, we was, you know, we was roommate, me, him and his brother. Um, it was really good to, you know, be under Chris Carter, Jake Reed. I mean, I wasn't making that team, <laughs> but I learned so much. And that's what kind of, you know, helped me, you know, bounce around the different teams because I was able to pick up a lot of things from those guys. No doubt. So, Corey, I want to backtrack a little bit going back to your USC days because, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you were a track star as well. Again, all-SEC track star. Um, you were the SEC 60-meter sprint champion. Where did the passion for track come from? I know why you did it for, you know, you like you mentioned, you were a great athlete, and it's obviously something that helped you on the football field. But where did the uh, the passion for uh, for track start for you? And Because, obviously, you were able to do it at a really high level and, again, pick up all the honors that I mentioned. Ah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, again, I always go back of just, you know, looking at how I developed to be fast. Obviously, my genetics. Uh, my, you know, my father was fast. My, <laughs> my mom was fast. My brothers, all, everybody was fast. So, um, you know, as a kid, we all. I mean, there wasn't a day that you know you can walk down the street that somebody's racing, and you know we raced all the time you know at least once two three times a week and um i just i just felt like you know if you if you got it use it and i was able to just use it a lot you know and everybody started i started realizing that you know what i'm pretty much faster than just about anybody out here so i'm gonna keep beating people obviously just making my confidence build up and um and I think that's the, uh, one of the most important things is confidence. I knew that I can beat the guy right here beside me. And that wasn't – and so, all right, well, I mean, you mean to say I can go to college and do the same thing and it'll be on TV and I'll be racing against, you know, some of the fastest kids in the country or in the world and still beat them? I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> so Corey, you have a business now i mentioned at the beginning of the show c4 performance um which focuses on personal and professional sports performance J just talk about where that idea came from what specifically you do what type of athletes you work with and uh kind of where the direction you guys are taking that ah uh, man c4 obviously it means explosive right but my name is Corey. I wore number four at University of South Carolina. So I was an explosive athlete. Why not name it after C4 Performance? So um, that's what I came up with it, uh, with the name. Um, and what I do as far as training-wise, you know, you name it, you know, strength and conditioning, speed and agility. Um, I've, you know, I'm into um, – what I do with a lot of my athletes, well, just about every one of my athletes, we work on the function of the body, work on the movement, work on their body to move in, you know, planes of motion, three planes of motion, um, you know, 
always start, you know, I start with the foot of the athlete and we work their hips. We also work their spine. Um, you know, the body, you know, because the body works is, is one unit and, you know, the, in your foot is the first thing to hit the ground in the book out that, um, then a guy by the name is Gary Gray wrote, he said, when the foot hit the ground, everything changes. So, um, you know, if you look at just about any sports that's out there, you know, the feet are the first thing to tell you to go somewhere. So, you know, um, you know, what I do with athletes is just, you know, watch how the foot flow, watch how the hip load, watch how the spine rotate. Um, and just, you know, just see how their body flow. You know, I don't want to try to do any corrective exercises. Um, I just want their body to function together. And once we get the body to function together, then, you know, that's, you know, athletes, that's what makes athletes athletes because their body understands how to function together. Um, and that's what I kind of focus on with my athletes. You know, I don't, try to, you know, get on the bench press and try to throw up three, 400 pounds or do a lot of squat. You name a sport other than professional squatting or professional powerlifting, you know, it, you know, there's not an athlete out on the field that's squatting and with something on their back. Do I squat my athlete? Yeah, I do. But, you know, it's not best, best, that's not, a necessity for me. Um, you know, baseball is a rotating sport. You're working a lot of transverse planes. Um, you know, football, basketball, everything. Your body's just, it moves. And I don't like to make it sit, I don't like to, to isolate it. I like to integrate it and make it move like it should. No doubt. So, Corey, kind of switching gears here, kind of an off-the-wall question. Um, obviously, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you, you played with a lot of lot of legendary Gamecocks, I would say, from Steve Tannehill to John Abraham to Anthony Wright to Zola Davis. Um, I, I want to focus on Steve Tannehill, though. We, we've all kind of heard the stories and obviously the, the, the legend of, of Tannehill. What's your best Steve Tannehill story that uh, maybe nobody knows about? Uh, man, I can't. And I don't – and y'all trying to make me throw my – nah, I ain't going to throw my ball. No, no, not, a, no, not at all. So, <laughs> something positive, obviously, but, I mean, something uh, maybe funny or – or off like, the field? No. No, on the, we'll, stay on, we'll stay on the field. We'll, st- we'll keep it on the field for sure. No, no, he – no. Um, it has to be the home run. It, ha- it has to be the home run swing um, down in Death Valley. I mean, that was like, that was it, you know. Um, you know, Steve is just, you know, I think Steve would look at me and was like, this guy, how they going to recruit this guy so damn short and small, but he is fast. Oh, he can catch. And, uh, but yeah, Steve was always cool, man. And a lot of things, you know, you know, a lot of times, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give away a little secrets. A lot of times when we do like TV timeouts and stuff like that, and we're out on the field and uh, 
you know, a lot of people, you know, looking at looking at us like, oh, I wonder what play they're drawing up. What are they doing? Oh, I wonder if they're going to do this play or whatever. No, we're in the huddle talking about what we're going to do that night. <laughs> <laughs> we already know what we're going to do. We already know what play we're going to run. You know, we're, we're in there talking about, you know, look at the look at the other team's um, student section. Look at the girls in the student section. You know, we already know the play. We already know where we're gonna go. I and mean, everybody out there, everybody in the, in the stands, thinking that we're we're talking about. Oh yeah, we need to do this play. We need to run jet right. No, nope. It's like, all right, who's coming over tonight? What we're drinking tonight? <laughs> <laughs> hey, because hey, because you bring that up, I'm gonna ask you. It's it, you know, it's so funny. I was doing some. Uh, <laughs> Some research on Steve and then yourself and the the 93 Georgia game, that one I mentioned, your first game as a freshman. There is an article with that game that uh, I believe Steve got in a little bit of – or there, there was a football party. Steve got in a little bit of a trouble – a little bit of trouble. Can you uh, – were you at the party and can you confirm or deny? I mean, obviously there's an article written about it, so it definitely happened. But, I mean, were you uh, – were you there? And, I mean, what specifically happened at that where, where he was the only one that got uh, – got thrown under the bus there I feel because I, I feel like that they must have been targeting him or something right I mean I'm sure you guys I mean, are celebrating the big win over now. Georgia it's 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 Steve I mean I had the team with there you know so it wasn't just him everybody was there I mean it was it, it was Steve Tannehill they, 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 that was just targeting you know some part you know the media got have something to talk about and everybody everybody knows Steve too so it wasn't like people didn't know he didn't party or have a good time. He was just having a good time. He was a 19, 20-year-old young man who was a star quarterback at a university. I mean, and you just beat Georgia. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what would you do? <laughs> no doubt. And, and with a mullet. Who? <laughs> <laughs> did did he oh, ever yeah. did, did, did you ever think about maybe did you, did you get some inspiration from the mullet do like maybe like cornrows or like uh no nah, man i was afro a, or you just clean cut Nah, i was a clean cut i was you know go down to the barber shop and get me a nice 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 shave you gotta get your <laughs> you have to have your hair cut on a friday you know we, we went down to the barber shop and got us a haircut oh some of the guys used to cut the hair on the team if we were, if we was gonna this what this high work if we wasn't on a TV game, the boys would cut it in the in the um, in the dorm. But if we was on ESPN or something, oh, we're in the barbershop getting lined up and edged up and everything. Got it. Got to look good on the tube for sure. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. So, Corey, when when you look back on your Gamecock career, um, I, I know it's kind of a tough question. When you look back on it, what would you say is your best memory in Garnet and Black? Best memory in Garnet and Black. I mean, I can say I have, I mean, only because I am from Georgia, I've, you know, I have two memories. Obviously, the first one that I caught the touchdown against them in um, in Athens, and then I caught another touchdown against them here on ESPN. It was it was a ESPN uh, prime time game. Um, 
those was some pretty good memories that I do I did have. Um, you know, just I don't know. I think it's more just like the guys, man. Just you know, I don't I don't think you could you know put a perfect. I mean, we we all still communicate with each other, and you know, it's just my memories is just like being in a locker room. Uh, just, you know, having a good time, laughing, cracking jokes. Everybody's walking around limping and hurting and still cracking jokes. And, you know, that was, I'll say that was my, that was one, that's the biggest memory that I do have is just being around the fellas and just, and I think we all, I'm, I'm pretty sure 99% of us will probably say that. Uh, and then, you know, obviously catching the touchdown and going out on the town and getting patted on the back. You know that didn't feel bad. That didn't feel bad at all either. So, um, um, and just just the guys, man, just the guys. Just you know, we we it was it was just like something special. We just you know hung out together. We was brothers, and still are. That, and that's I'm glad you reminded me of that one, Cor, because that's one I, I somehow forgot to bring up the '96 Georgia game because it was one I talked with Anthony a lot about when we were on the show. That was a I mean, obviously just a really fun night. Deuce went wild that night. And then I remember specifically the interview I did with him, I I posted the highlight from the touchdown that he threw for you. I mean, or threw to you. I mean, just talk about that play in general. I remember specifically from that highlight, you catch it and just kind of stand there and soak it in and look into the crowd. I mean, again, that had to be a really fun night for you. Oh, that was, it was amazing. Um, We had a, we had a, a, um, we call it a smash route where, you know, an outside receiver do a, you know, five yard stop and um, inside receiver, which is slot do, you know, a 12 to 15 yard corner route. And, um, and I think Anthony checked into that because, you know, being the smart quarterback that Anthony was, Corey runs a four, two in a 40. And they just went man to man. It would be absolutely impossible for this guy to stick with Corey on a corner route right now. I'm going to check to this play. And it was a run play, and you can see Anthony check right to it. And um, and I was like, if this guy, well, number one, he man to man, and I have a corner. It's it's you. I'm on. It's going to be a touchdown. And he gave me what we call the inside position. I was like, this is too easy. And then that's what, and then Anthony would, I think after we got to the sideline, after I caught the touchdown, Anthony came over, sat beside me. He was like, man, this, that was just way too easy. I had to call the play. It was just, (laughs) they gave you inside, they gave you the outside. Like, I'm going over there again. (laughs) <laughs> and they didn't they didn't play that way no more the rest of the game. Were you in your professional or college career has anyone ever caught you from behind? Ooh. I never. <laughs> never. <laughs> um No. Well, I had a I had a punt return when I was with the Cleveland Browns. But 
I went through the I went up the middle and I saw daylight and I don't know if somebody caught me but somebody tripped me up and I still I have nightmares to this day because I had a touchdown. <laughs> that, that I mean that's well, got to be like a speed guy's like worst like nightmare right like the, or just worst thing that can happen is to be caught from behind right it's just like oh god blasphemy. Yeah. oh gosh. You know, sometimes it's just like you're tired. I mean, your legs are just done. It's not like that they're faster than you. It's just your your legs just they're, they're just, just fresher than you. They're, they're just fresher, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't had anybody um, caught me from. No, I can't remember that. What? So I know you're still training right now, Corey. But if you ran the forty today, what what are you clocking in at? You think? I'm going to clock somebody upside the head with my hamstring. That's what's going to happen. You know, two years ago, two years ago, no, last, yeah, yeah. No, last year, I was out with um, with a few clients at the football field, and, um, and I decided to run it. I'm 45 now, and I ran a 4.6. And I was like, you know what? I'll take that four six, and that's the slowest I ever ran a forty in my life. I mean, four four six is still a solid speed. I mean, I, I there's there's definitely a couple of Gamecocks receivers on the current team that are probably running four sixes, or you probably would beat in a forty yard dash. So I would say that's a, <laughs> that's a solid number. That's nothing to uh, nothing to turn your nose up at for sure. But Corey. Really do appreciate you taking the time, man. It's just a pleasure to have you on again. All the stories, all the good memories. I know I can speak for all Gamecock fans when I say just, just watching you guys, the passion you guys played the game with, and going back and reliving the, the old highlights is always a, a lot of fun. But really appreciate you taking the time, Corey. Love to do it again sometime and chop it up and obviously talk some ball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to be in Columbia maybe a couple times this year. who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done